going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. It is episode 103. 103, nice. And uh, it is September 3rd, Thursday, 6.45 p.m. We are one week away from the NFL season beginning, so this episode is going to be 100% about the NFL. We're going to have predictions. I'm going to have some bold predictions. I'm going to have what I think every team's record is going to be, playoff teams, Super Bowl champions, MVP, and then I'm also going to get into my fantasy football preview. Most people have already drafted, so I know that won't exactly be helpful for your draft. But it goes, you know, fantasy football goes much beyond the draft. If you're in a league that has a lot of active people and a lot of, uh, and of course, smart people, you need to know things throughout the season. You can't just, you know, depend on a good draft. So, going to do a, lever- a lot of different things for football. Um, really excited. It's football season. So. You know, and uh, unfortunately, we don't really know what we're going to get out of the college football season. It seems like the pros have handled it much carefully, much more carefully, and have taken like you know a very cautious step towards everything. Only a couple guys remain on the COVID list. There were a bunch of false positives. That's you know that's a little bit of bad news because you know we're we're close to game time and. There was one day with a bunch of false positives that would have had like five teams that would have had like half their team out, you know, Browns included. And, you know, it came back later that day that, nope, it was a false positive. So, you know, I'm kind of worried because what if that happens on a Sunday morning of a game day and you have a bunch of teams that can't ha- can't play and all of a sudden, what are you going to do? Are you going to postpone the game till Monday? Are you going to like, I, it's, it's a very confusing thing. It's going to be really interesting what they do when they're faced with some adversity, because this isn't going to go off like a completely clean and unaffected season. We are going to have some hiccups, and I'm going to be very interested to see how the NFL handles that. So, um, you know, and in college football, that has begun already. You have some smaller college games. Uh, still don't know what to expect from the Big Ten. That's a little disappointing because, you know, there are the, the Big Ten makes up for a good amount of what football I watch, and... You know, with them sitting out, with the Pac-12 sitting out, and it's it's just a little bit of a bummer because you have about half the teams that would qualify for the uh, the college football playoff are just you know already out, so or at least two fifths of the teams. Um, but enough of college football. Pro football got a big season. 2020 season. Last year, the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl along, um, and Pat Mahomes was rewarded with the biggest contract. Ever in NFL history, he's going to be in the Kansas City for quite a long time, and uh, has really reshaped the quarterback market. If you're a guy like Dak Prescott, if you're a guy like Deshaun Watson, these next guys that are going to get paid, you look at this and you're very happy uh, that Pat Mahomes reset the market. Uh, you know, guys like Wentz, Goff, you know, guys that had just been paid, they're probably thinking like, man, you know, had I just you know, held on a little bit, maybe would have gotten a little bit more in that 40 plus million dollar deal uh, a year. But, you know, uh, you have to get paid when you can get paid in the NFL. So don't blame them. But the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens were 14-2 in the regular season, but did not carry any playoff wins with them. Uh, And then the Chiefs wound up paying everybody too. They paid Travis Kelsey, they paid um, their defensive tackle, Chris Jones, defensive tackle, defensive end. So, uh, you know, it, it goes to show when you see these mega deals for these superstar players, you know, Travis Kelsey, biggest tight end deal ever, 
you know, only a couple months after Austin Hooper set his. And Chris Jones, he's, you know, paid as one of the top defensive linemen in the league. And this is with Pat Mahomes getting, you know, mega bucks per year. Uh, it makes you think like, okay, the cap, it can be, it could be filtered. It could be kind of like finagled. You can get around a lot of things by converting base salary to um, bonuses and all of a sudden you're saving $10 million because you paid what's his face right up front before the you know beginning of the year. And all of a sudden that's how you, you know, afford these things. So uh, you got to keep that in mind when you see these contracts. Oh, how does this team, they were facing the cap with it. Just relax. Teams know ways around this. Just hope that you have smart GMs and, and smart presidents of your team and owners that uh, aren't going to be penny pinching like, you know, the Cleveland Indians might have. So, you know, keep that in mind, but it's there's ways around it. But enough on the 2019 season. We are on to 2020. We are kicking off next week with Chiefs and Texans. Uh, I th- that'll be an exciting one. It was a playoff game this year. Texans took a nice early lead on Kansas City, and then Kansas City just, like, blew the brakes off of them. Uh, Noel and I actually took a little nap during that game when we were uh, watching the playoffs. We're, you know, we're just sitting on the couch, and then we thought, okay, you know, the Chiefs are down big. We uh, we missed like two and a half touchdown drives, and we wake up and we're like, oh boy, uh, this was way too early for the Texans to be peaking. But Texans were a good team last year. A lot of people wanted to count them out. They had a great uh, comeback win against the Bills, and uh, in the first round, go to Kansas City. Really stuck it to them early, but couldn't hold on because that Kansas City offense is is dynamite. It's really it's you know, and it's. Pat Mahomes' arm strength just opens up more of the field, and Andy Reid, smart, and you know everybody that can say smartly, adds these speed wide receivers that just get to different points on the field faster than anyone else, making you cover more area of the field. It's you know it's it, it's it sounds so simple, but in reality, there's just not many teams that are capable of doing that. You know, like I love Baker Mayfield. I think he's got a good professional strong arm. I think he's very accurate with the football when he when he wants to be, um, but there's something about Pat Mahomes. He's just he can be rolling out to his left, and you know for 99% of the quarterbacks that limits you to only half the field and probably you know 40 yards. Pat Mahomes, it's like no, he still has the whole field and he has 60 yards. So. Uh, that was the reason they won the Super Bowl is because they could really stretch the field and uh, they beat the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I was kind of pulling for uh, the Chiefs to win it because the Niners just came off so cocky last year. And a lot of people were like, whoa, Jake, the Browns are cocky. That's not exactly true, okay? Like, the Browns players individual are like, you know, they have personalities and they like to be in the spotlight. And if you want to say the Browns are a bunch of like divas last year, I'd still say that's a bit of a stretch, but I understand where you're coming from, where they're doing a lot of photo shoots, they're doing a lot of, you know, interviews, they're, they're, they're feeling themselves. Whereas they weren't talking shit. You're not going to find any clip from before the season of after the Browns went, you know, and won seven games, and then they acquired OBJ. You're not going to find any clip of them saying like, Oh, we're going to win the North. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Uh, If anything, all you'll hear is that John Dorsey said, hey, straight up, we're not quite there yet. And then the wheels came off the bus. The Browns 
just, you know, looked so sloppy after the first drive uh, of every game. You know, first drive, they looked great, but, you know, that showed Freddie Kitchens didn't really know what he was doing in the games. We learned that all the rumors about Freddie Kitchens, uh, you know, really not being the reason for the success at the end of the 2018 season, those rumors turned out to be true. And, you know, as Browns fans, why were we supposed to believe those at the time? Uh, You know, at the time we were just told, hey, Freddie Kitchens took over offensive coordinator role and the Browns started rolling. Why were we supposed to believe anything otherwise? So, uh, but Browns had a down year considering what they uh, thought they were going to have. Uh, But they didn't talk shit like that, but they were talked shit to on numerous occasions. Week one, the Titans, I mean, Logan Ryan was talking shit after the game. Delaney Walker talking shit after the game. Uh, You got the Baltimore Ravens talking shit before and after the game. Uh, And that was the game that the Browns beat them. And the San Francisco 49ers, that was the icing on the cake. I mean, you had... You know Richard Sherman saying in post game that Baker didn't shake his hand when video showed Baker did shake his hand, uh, and then you have Nick Bosa, who did the flag, you know, uh, celebration after he sacked Baker, and then it was like, oh, of course he does that. And then post game, he was saying how he had been planning that for quite some time. Meanwhile, had that been Baker saying that, it's like, oh, people would have been ripping him apart that he had been planning a celebration for weeks. Uh, but no, but Bosa, you know, he had been carrying that ever since college when uh, Oklahoma beat Ohio State at Ohio State. So uh, there was that. Oh, and also that Bosa was uh, claimed that throughout the game, the D-line would taunt him yelling, Baker, Baker, we're coming. And it's like, okay. And I mean, it's just crazy that how little that was reported on. So that was why I wasn't rooting for the Niners. I, uh, you know, and not to mention Niners fans claiming that they never get like the you know, oh, they've suffered so much uh, since their, like, you know, heyday. And it's like, are you kidding me? You guys have four Super Bowl rings. Like, cut the shit. Like, Joe Montana has won four Super... Oh, no, Joe Montana has won four Super Bowls, and Steve Young has won. You have five Super Bowl rings. My mistake. Jeez. So, you know, you would think that they uh, know that they're pretty, you know, well-rewarded. Not to mention the fact that the Warriors just won three NBA championships... But regardless, so that's why I pulled for the Chiefs last year. But enough of last year. Jake, move on. we got a big season. We're already 10 minutes into this podcast. Let's go. All right, so I'm just going to start off. I'm going to go division by division. I'm going to break down how I see it playing out, who's making the playoffs, who's not. We'll start with the NFC. I'll start with the NFC East. Okay, so starting with the NFC East, uh, I see this being a Dallas Cowboy division. You know, it's crazy. You look at this division every year. There's a new winner each and every year. Last year, it was really up and down. You had, uh, I mean, everyone thought the Cowboys were done at one point. Then the Eagles go and blow a game to um, uh, to the Miami Dolphins. It was it was crazy. It was, you know, this music might be a little too loud. And, uh, you know, it, it was like the... Every, every week, it seemed like the NFL was being flipped upside down in the East. And it seems like that every year. But this year, I do have the Cowboys. I think they were... They still have one of the best offensive lines in the game. And they have Dak Prescott, who's playing... You know, I mean, it could change any minute now. But it seems like he's just going to be playing on a one-year deal. So he has a lot to prove. 
And I think that's going to be big for Cowboys fans because he's going to play awesome every week. Not to mention that this year he probably now has the best trio of wide receivers in the NFL. I think, you know, it does take rookies a good amount of time to, like, really reach their selves, uh, especially at the wide receiver position. You know, wide receiver, cornerback, quarterback uh, are some positions that are tougher to really get the value of the player in year one. But I think CeeDee Lamb is that good, and I think he's being surrounded by enough talent that uh, it's going to be easier for him. And this is why I see the Cowboys going out and winning this division after coming in second last year. Um, I do think that their offensive explosion is, it's just going to, they're going to have more options. They're going to have more weapons. You know, Cooper, Gallup, and C.D. Lamb at wide receiver. Zeke Elliott at running back. It doesn't even matter who their tight end is at that point because the tight ends just need to be able to catch one ball once in a while because Zeke is going to be feeding and then the three wide receivers are going to be down the field making plays. I think it's going to be the best offense in the division. And I think their defense is good enough. I think they're good enough to reach to 10-6. and six, And I think that will win this division. Um, second in the division, I do see it being the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, I, I don't think the Giants jumped them yet. I do like where the Giants are going. But I, I still see it being the Eagles. Um they just don't, I don't really see where they are yet. Like, Darius Slay, huge ad for them. Uh, he's going to take away a lot of good receivers. And going up against Cooper twice a year, yeah, that's going to be a good matchup. Darius Slay is very underrated. He's a great corner. And they didn't trade a whole lot to get him. Um, however, you know, I, I thought they missed a huge opportunity when they could have got Justin Jefferson last year uh, in the draft. Instead, they drafted Jalen Rager. They went for a bunch of speed receivers in free agency as well. They, you know, they got Marquise Goodwin. Then he's going to sit out from uh, COVID. But they also had a big injury to Andre Dillard, who they moved on. They moved Peters to guard, and Dillard is the left tackle now. And it doesn't sound like they're moving Peters back out to tackle. So uh, they also lost uh, Vitae. He's now in Detroit. So their O line is going to be a, a little bit questionable outside of you know the the strong starters in Brooks and Lane Johnson and Kelsey. So, you know, you have those three guys, but I don't really know what you're going to be getting on the left side of the line. And with the amount of injuries that Carson Wentz has, yes, he's never finished an NFL season. You know, he's never finished the last game of the last season for them. So uh, it's important to note that he is now going to be dealing with somewhat of a different offensive line. Uh, I think Miles Sanders is going to be step up to be a really good NFL running back. Um, and I think, you know, they can lean on him. Also, running back, it's a very replaceable position. Uh, but their wide receivers, uh, it, it, it leaves a little bit to be desired. Their tight end, Zach Ertz, is very good. Dallas Goddard, very good. But uh, offensively, I don't see them catching up with the Cowboys. And I think this is a team that kind of falls a little bit flat. I think they go 8-8, eight and eight, possibly 9-7. and seven. Uh, Third in the division, I just said it, it's the New York Giants. Uh, the Giants are definitely going in the right direction. I don't know if Joe Judge is the right guy. You know, he's doing a lot of that rah-rah stuff that uh, worked for Pete Carroll. And he's also doing a lot of the, like, you know, uh, no names on the jerseys because it's all about the team on the front type thing that, you know, the NFL cliches and 
Bilicek type stuff that you also love. So I, I'm very curious if that's going to work because that was like a type of thing that like Hugh Jackson and Freddie Kitchens, they couldn't figure that shit out even though they tried it all the time. So I think the Giants will look sloppy at times, but if Joe Judge writes the ship and gets everything like kind of under control and that they limit penalties, I think the t- selection of Andrew Thomas was great in the first round. Uh, you know, some Giants fans want different offensive linemen. Doesn't matter. I think this draft was just so deep at the position that this, that like there was nothing they could do wrong there. So um, they drafted Andrew Thomas. Very important to be, you know, addressing tackle because Danny Dimes seems to be their guy. Saquon Barkley, they've invested heavily in. Wide receivers, they've got some pretty good receivers. I think that, like, you know, Sterling Shepard's being really underappreciated right now. And uh, Darius Slayton, he showed that he's pretty good too. So I think the Giants, they're going to be on the up. I think they're more of a 6-10 and 10 to seven and nine window. I think they finished two to three games behind the Philadelphia Eagles, but I definitely see them on the up and going towards uh, a more successful future. Uh, I don't think the Giants will be down for too long. Possibly next year will be uh, the year that they, you know, crack over 500. And then in last place is the Washington football team. I do like the hire of Ron Rivera. Uh, I do like Dwayne Haskins as a quarterback. However, he doesn't really have a lot of weapons right now, and their backfield is one of the worst in the league. I know Adrian Peterson is still back there. He's still playing, but you know he is not the same Adrian Peterson that we're used to, and I, they, they need a real fresh approach with some talent at the skill positions. However, they do have some very good players on their defensive front. Adding Chase Young in this year's draft was a no-doubt selection. I mean, you know, after Joe Burrow is like, okay, just take the best player in the like, you know, in the draft. He'll soon be a Pro Bowler and possibly an All Pro because Chase Young is that talented. You know, you rank him, rank him next to the Bosa's, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney. Um, he's even ahead of where Khalil Mack was when Khalil Mack was coming out. So he is really right at that top of like, if you look at the edge defenders coming out of the draft the last few years, I think only Clowney and maybe Garrett rank ahead of him on where they were coming out of the draft. You know, I, I have him above the Bosa's and I have him, I, I probably have him above Miles Garrett because if Joe Burrow was in that draft, the Browns took Joe Burrow first overall. Well, actually, that's that's not no. Well, we don't know because Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, they're in that draft. So yeah, you know, it's tough. Whatever. Redskins made the right selection. They've got a, some very nice pieces on their front seven. They have a very nice quarterback. If they can just protect him and let him learn, let him grow, and if he and Ron Rivera click, I think they have the makings of something good. However, I don't see it turning into a lot of wins this year. Uh, I look at them as a five and eleven football team, and uh, you know what, the the future is bright in Washington, but we're not in the future just yet. So that's what I have: Cowboys winning the division, and so far that's it. Okay. Uh, oh, don't forget there is an extra playoff spot this year in the NFL for both the uh, conferences in the NFL. So there will be an extra wild card team. All right, going to the NFC West. Last year, 
The San Francisco 49ers went 13 and 3, won the division. Uh, the Seahawks were right there with them. They were 11 and 5, and going into the last two weeks of the season, both teams I think were 11 and 3. Yeah, so they were both right there tied. Uh, but the Niners beat them in a crucial game down the stretch, and uh, you know they they ended up pulling away in the division. But they were just ahead of the Seahawks. Niners made it all the way to the Super Bowl. They held a lead in the Super Bowl. Looked like they were going to, you know, escape with a victory, but Pat Mahomes and uh, Andy Reid were not to be denied. So uh, Seahawks, they made another run to the playoffs, did not make it far into the playoffs, um, but they are a team that I think, you know, they're still going to be there when it's all said and done. Going into this year, I look at this division and I see the Seahawks actually taking it. Um, I look at the NFL, you know, last year, you know, Kyle Shanahan and his running backs and his defense really like took the field by storm and they had everything going for them. I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit this year. I don't think they're going to force the same amount of turnovers. Um, I don't think they're going to get the same benefit of the doubt from their running game. And I know I'm talking about the team that's coming in second in this division first, but um, I, I do want to get to them because everyone's going to wonder why I don't have them winning the division. But I, I look at them and I see Jimmy Garoppolo. He was very good at doing what they asked him to do, but he was rarely ever asked for them to go win the game. And I think that's going to be a problem because he's got a first place schedule this year. So he's going to be facing, you know, the Packers, the uh, the Eagles, the who won the South last year, the Saints. So those are some tough games that he has right off the bat. And I know they won a lot of tough games last year, but, you know, the NFL, they're smart. These teams are smart. They catch on to teams very quickly, especially the new hot ones. So Kyle Shanahan, I know he's a good coach. He's going to have his work cut out for him this year. I think they just come back to means a little bit. And I think that the Niners are more of a 10-6 and six team, possibly 11-5. and five. But, you know, their receivers, they're still pretty good. Debo Samuel, not sure how healthy he is. But Dante Pettis is good. Then they also added Brandon Ayuk. I, I like their receiving core. Obviously, George Kittle's a beast. Love him. Uh, they got rid of Matthew Breida. I guess Raheem Mostert's a starter. They still have Tevin Coleman. They still have Jarek McKinnon and uh, Kyle Juszczyk. And they have a pretty good offensive line. You know, they Joe Staley retires, but they trade for Trent Williams, you know, one of the better offensive tackles in the game. So if Trent Williams can come back to the form he was in, they're going to be fine. They're going to be a very good running team. And I think that's why they're going to be good. But if teams start to figure them out and make Jimmy Garoppolo go beat them through the air, um, I think they're just going to run into some problems. And, uh, you know, they got lucky in the two games with the Seahawks where they could have easily come in second to this division to the Seahawks. Now, with Seattle, I've been wrong about them so many times in the past. Um, every time I expect them to run away with the division, they kind of revert back to the mean at five and at like eight and eight. Um, every time I expect them to kind of disappoint is the year that they step it up. Now, Russell Wilson has been the guy there for a while. He's proven that even though they don't ask him to do a whole lot, like they don't ask him to pass the ball 50 times a game, he is still super efficient and super effective. 
he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the year that they kind of let him rip a little bit more. Um, you know, Doug Baldwin, he's been gone, but Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, I think, are forming a very interesting one-two combo at wide receiver. They have a lot of guys in the backfield that you know. It's like okay, they got Chris Carson. They have Rashad. I mean, is Rashad Penny even still there? Like, what, what's what's happening with him? Um, they got Carlos Hyde. So like running back, not going to be an issue. They're just going to hand off to whoever has the hot hand. It'll start the season with Chris Carson, but you never really know where it's going to end up going. Um, their offensive line, again, I feel like they always neglect to address it. They could have addressed it in the first round. Instead, they added a linebacker, um, the, the one out of Texas Tech, Jordan Brooks, which I was like, it seems like a bit of an over overdraft. Regardless, they typically know what they're doing in Seattle, and uh, I expect them on defense to still be super competitive. Um, if their defensive line can like hold it together, I just think their offense is really going to click more this season, and I think they'll have real threats at wide receiver. I'm looking for Seattle to finish the season 11-5 and squeak out just in front of the San Francisco 49ers. Now, coming in third in the division, you know, you've got a lot of people are hot on the Arizona Cardinals. I still have the LA Rams as the as the next best team. I think Sean McVay, you know, all, all he's a very smart coach. He obviously knows what he's talking about on the offensive side. I think that even though they lost Brandon Cooks and Josh Reynolds, it didn't really step up as much as they thought. I think Van Jefferson's going to step up big time and be the third wide receiver that they need. And then Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Tyler Higbee and their stable of running backs, which honestly I could see any of the guys you know, beating out one another for the running back job. I think they'll be fine on offense. They'll continue to score points. Defense, they might take a like a you know kind of a, a tumble because they are really lacking depth after like their superstars. You know they have Aaron Donald, they have Jalen Ramsey, but uh, their contracts are going to start catching up to them, especially since they're not going to have any first round picks to supplement these guys with in the future. Um, oh, that was something I also forgot to mention. You know, of course, the one time. Uh, you know, the Niners, they do something. A lot of people were pissed off with the Niners, a lot of Niners fans, for what they did when they traded Armstead and uh, instead, you know, paid the other D tackle and then with the pick drafted Javon Kinlaw. But I think that's just the what like smart front offices do is they see, you know, a problem and say, okay, you know what? If we can get a, a guy that's similar talent, similar, you know, play style. And four years younger and four years of team control, that's what we're going to do. So I, I like that move, what they did. Even though they might not get the best player in the deal, Javon Kinlaw you know, is going to be there for four more years. So I do see the Rams as the third best team uh, simply because I just think they don't have quite enough to reach the potential of the Niners of what they were last year. I do think they're going to finish right behind them at like 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. So they're going to be right behind them with the Niners. I do think they steal a Niners game. I think they might even split with Seattle. You're going to see this division be very tight at the top, but I do see Seattle squeaking out and the Rams coming in third. Um, the Arizona Cardinals, I just don't see it coming together all yet. You know, they had a bad defense last year, and Isaiah Simmons isn't going to be able to fix all of it. Um, they weren't be able to protect uh, Kyler Murray. 
and instead they, you know, signed a suspect right tackle and, you know, drafted their first offensive lineman in the third round, in which, you know, I, I loved the O-line in this draft. I thought the tackles were great, but I was very clear that, like, you know, starting a third-round tackle is a risky proposition. So we'll see how Arizona protects Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray, everyone's expecting a big breakout. I'm concerned that they are the 2019 Browns in that, you know, they went out, they tr- they they showed teams that they have their quarterback that everyone's really excited about, and then they trade for a star-wide receiver. They got New Hopkins this offseason, and they, you know, have Kenyon Drake's a good enough running back. I mean, it's Kenyon Drake. Let's not treat him like he's, like, Gale Slayers, like everyone is treating him. But I don't see the Cardinals really breaking through like everyone thinks. I, I think they're going to be exciting. I think they're going to have fun players, but they're in the toughest division in football. And I think that's why they finish 5-11, and 6-10, and 10, very similar to what they were last year. So a uh, very similar situation to last year, just flipping the Seahawks and the Niners. Okay, in the NFC North, uh, this is another one. This is a tough division. I think uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. However, uh, I look at... You know, last year the Green Bay Packers they went 13 and three. They seemed like a very flawed 13 and three team. I know that seems like a little you know mean, a little whatever. Uh, you know, but they Aaron Jones was off his gourd last year, and I I thought they needed to really upgrade their players around Aaron Rodgers, and they added a backup running back and a backup quarterback. So. Um, and Devin Funchess, the one free agent wide receiver they added, he's opting out for this year because of COVID. So I don't think Green Bay got any better on offense, and I think they come back a little bit to reality. I know Aaron Rodgers had a down year, and I think he's actually going to have a better, more efficient year next year. But I don't think they, I don't think they made the necessary upgrades to uh, really compete with that thirteen and three record last year. Um, Defense, I I think they had a really great season as well, but I think that was another thing where, you know, Jair Alexander, he's probably one of the best up-and-coming cornerbacks in the league. I think he's top five right now. And they're, you know, the Will, uh, the the Preston Smith and Zaire Smith, uh, you know, that, that combo was a great pass rush last year. I think that'll still do well, but probably not as well as they did last year. So I just think they just come back down to reality a little bit and I, I know it sounds crazy, but I think the Minnesota Vikings step up, and I think even though they lose Kevin Stefanski and Dalvin Cook, you know, holdout contract situation, we don't know what we're expecting with that. Um, Kirk Cousins in the last year of his deal, they lose they uh, Stefan Diggs, and they replace him with Justin Jefferson, a rookie who I think is going to be a stud this year right away. Um, I think Adam Thielen... He had a down year last year because I drafted him in fantasy football, and I didn't draft him this year, so he'll be great this year. Um, I think the Vikings are going to step up. I think they're going to win the division at 11 and 5, 12 and 4. I'll even go. I think they're just going to they're going to be a very good team. It's going to be hard to beat them. Their defense got even better this year. They added a couple pieces. They just traded for Yannick and Gakwe. They have a like Pro Bowl duo at every level of the field, and that's going to be huge for them. I think the Vikings have secretly the best defense in the NFC, and 
I don't know. I just uh, I look, you know look at them. They have star safety combo with Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith. Uh, you know linebackers. They've got three really good ones. And on the D line, you got Ngakwe. Um, you know I know he's new, but I still think that he's a great add. And don't forget, you got Daniel Hunter right across from him, who's probably one of the, the most underappreciated players in the league. So I, I just look at that Vikings defense. I look at that they have an offense that is already pretty well established. They're going to lose uh, digs, but I think they're going to replace them pretty well with Justin Jefferson. And as long as they don't need to rely on any wide receivers after those two, I think the Vikings are going to win this division. I think the uh, they're going to edge out the Green Bay Packers. Third in the division, you're going to think I'm crazy. This is the Detroit Lions. I think they're going to be one of the more uh, exciting teams because Matt Stafford last year, before he got hurt, was on his way for another 5,000-yard season with like 38, 39 touchdowns. Uh, then he got hurt, and wheels came off the bus, and you know it was another Detroit Lions season. However, on offense, they only got better. They still have the good wide receivers. TJ Hawkinson, he's going into year two, so he's only going to get better. And we all know, tight ends, it takes a while for tight ends to really make an impact in the NFL. You rarely get guys like Kittle and Gronk and Kelsey that right off the back, they are killing it. You know, it, it usually takes these guys a little bit of time. Um, and I think Hawkinson, he's, he's got a lot of upside. He's going to be really good for the long haul. They have Kenny Galladay, who went, he and Stafford were really gelling. Marvin Jones and Stafford were gelling as well. Uh, so that offense, Danny Amendola in the slot. Running backs, they've got a couple running backs that are worth it, you know, because DeAndre Swift, he's being overshadowed right now. He's being overlooked. Like, if he went to Kansas City and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was here, people would be talking about DeAndre Swift being a top 10, you know, fantasy football running back. Uh, instead, Swift goes to Detroit where, you know, they they signed uh, Vitae. A lot of people are really concerned about it, right tackle, because he signed a mega deal there. But they did re-sign Taylor Decker and extended him. So, you know, if Vitae plays to, like, league average, they're decent at tackles. Uh, they're already got Frank Ragnow's really good, too. So their offensive line's looking pretty good if they can protect Stafford. Stafford is a pro at getting the ball to his playmakers. And Galladay, Marvin Jones, Amendola, and the combination of Carrion Johnson and DeAndre Swift with TJ Hawkinson at tight end, this is a good offense. It's a, like... I mean, if they have the same protection that the Green Bay Packers have, I would take the Detroit Lions offense over the Green Bay Packers offense. I know Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, but Matthew Stafford's so underappreciated. Um, and the weapons, I think, in Detroit, you know, I know Devontae Adams is an awesome wide receiver one, but he's gotten hurt a couple times. He's so great when he's on the field, but is he, are they going to just lean on him and a bunch of, like, sixth-round and undrafted wide receivers? Whereas Detroit, I look at, they have like three or four wide receivers that I really like. So I like this Detroit offense. I think they step it up a little bit. And I think they get to the 7-9, 8-8 mark. And I think they save Matt Patricia, his job. Um, I just, I really like Stafford. I really like Galladay this year. I'll get to them later when we talk fantasy football. And then last in the division, I think the Chicago Bears are a little lost. And I think Nagy might get fired after this year. Um, you know, just, just doing the math, there's like every year, six to eight coaches get fired and they're typically the ones that come in last place or have 
come in last place a couple times in the last couple years. With Chicago, they have a good defense, but you know everyone just relies on them being a great defense. Whereas their offense, I don't think they made any upgrades. You know, Trubisky and Foles, I'm not sure how that's going to shake out. I uh, you know long retired, and at running back they didn't really improve that much. They've David Montgomery is still there, uh, but he's hurt to start the season. Uh, Tariq Cohen, he's a nice like gadget backup running back that you like to have, but every every team has one of those. A wide receiver, Allen Robinson, he's so so good, but he's had so many bad quarterbacks, and I'm not really sure what's across from Anthony Miller. Is he the number two wide receiver? He's okay. Um, at tight end, Jimmy Graham. They have a bunch of tight end, tight ends now. You know, they just drafted Cole Komet. Uh, they have what's his face? Uh, Clay, not Clay Harper. Who is the tight end? Trey Trey Burton from the Eagles. So like, I look at their offense and I, I think they're a mess. I, I don't like the Bears this year. I think they are six and ten area, and I think they come in last place in the division. Um, maybe they even get lo- lower, like five and eleven to four and twelve, because if they drop, you know, two games to the Detroit Lions, I don't, I don't see a lot of wins on the schedule for them. The NFC is tough, is a tough uh, conference. So that's how I have it shaking out. I have it going Vikings, Packers, uh, flipping from how they finished last year, and then Lions, Bears, also them flipping from how they went last year. So uh, finishing up the NFC, uh, we have. The NFC South, which a lot of people are very excited for last year. Last year, the New Orleans Saints finished 13-3, one of three NFC teams to finish 13-3. However, they were unfortunate and did not land a bye like the Packers and Niners did. So they had to play in the first round, and uh, they played, what, did they play the Eagles last year, or did they play... Um, the Vikings, because I remember they have had some tough losses. But, uh, yeah, they beat the Eagles, and then, no, 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 no. That was the 2019 season. So um, they, oh, crap. All right, you guys caught me. So right now I'm looking up. All right, yeah, you guys caught me. So they lost in the wildcard round to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, who were a wild card team, and it was on that like Kyle Rudolph touchdown in the back of the end zone. A lot of people say pushed off, and a lot of people just said the Saints just get a little unlucky in the playoffs when it comes to penalties not getting called. So, whatever. Um, it was a really good season for the Saints. They unfortunately lost like that when they could have easily gotten a bye. They were one of the best teams I thought in the league last year, and they had a quick exit. Um, in free agency in the draft, they did not add a lot of players. I think one ad that's nice is Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think that's going to be fantasy relevant. Uh, I do, however, think it will be relevant to the team because Sanders is just a very reliable, dependable wide receiver. And across from Michael Thomas, you know, who is super reliable as well, that's what you want in a Drew Brees offense. You want guys that you can rely on. So I think uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders will be a nice addition and. Uh, clearly will fit into that New Orleans Saints team. And, uh, you know, obviously everyone's keeping their eye on the Kamara contract situation. I don't think he's holding out. I think he'll be just fine. And this is a offense that's just a machine as, you know, Jam- uh, um, Sean, James, James Winston. Uh, Sean Payton has proven 
you know, he is just a machine when it comes to offense. Their defense was already really good and super underrated. Um, I think they're still going to win this division. I do not think this is a year where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who made all the big splashes, come up and, and win it all. I don't see them doing that. So Tampa Bay, right? They're the team everyone wants to talk about. Last year, they you know, had Mr. 30-30 with Jameis Winston, throwing 30 interceptions, 30 touchdowns. His season ended on him throwing a pick six. I know a lot of those games they could have won. So everyone looks at Tampa Bay Bucks and says, that's a team that they can be better. They should be better um, if they had better quarterback play. Now you go from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady. Tom, you know, last we checked in, Tom Brady was not the statistical wizard. He was doing a lot of checks downs. They weren't throwing the ball all over the yard anymore. They were running the ball a lot. Tom Brady was, you know, dare I say it, more of a game manager than he was the gunslinger quarterback. Uh, so Bruce Arians wants the gunslinger quarterback, Tom Brady. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying let's not act like he's been doing this the last two, three years. He hasn't. So I still think he's got it in him. I still think Tom Brady can whip the ball around the field. And I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be a winning team. Uh, he's got a great wide receiver combo at Evans and Godwin. And I think Scotty Miller is a nice third wide receiver for them that no one's really talking about. And uh, the guy from Minnesota, uh, Tyler Johnson, I think he is a really was a really nice pickup that they really just don't have a lot of playing time for as of right now. Uh, at tight end, obviously, they add Gronk. He comes out of retirement to join Tom Brady. Uh, they already have Brait and O.J. Howard. So hopefully Gronk's playing well because they're going to be playing him over some guys that are already proven to be pretty good. And then in the backfield, they have Ron Jones Jr. They have LaShawn McCoy, and they just added Leonard Fournette. So the Tampa Bay backfield, I really don't know how they're going to break that down because conflicting reports came out today about, you know, uh, everyone said, okay, Leonard Fournette, they didn't sign him to be a backup. Uh, and then Mike Garofalo, Garofalo comes out and he says that uh, LaShawn McCoy is going to get plenty of touches and is going to be the guy on third down and even sometimes before that. And then Bruce Arians comes out and says Ronald Jones Jr. is still our guy. So really not sure what to believe there. You would think believing the the coach who you know when he says it, but at the same time, there's a lot to believe about the other statements too. So uh, fantasy-wise, not sure if I would go for any of those running backs, but if you're a Bucks fan, you're happy because you just roll with the hot the hot hand. You know, you make Leonard Fournette earn his carries. You make, uh, you know, Shady McCoy earn his game time. And Ron Jones Jr., hey, you don't owe him anything either. So obviously Tom Brady has a ton of weapons. And then this is all forgetting the fact that in the first round, they fixed their tackle problem by adding one of the best offensive linemen like I've ever seen come out of the draft in Tristan Wirfs. Um, he fell a little bit. I thought he was going to be taken by the Giants at number four. And then when he went past the Cardinals at eight, I thought, okay, maybe the Browns take him at 10, but the Browns took Jedrick Wills. Um, and then I had the Jets taking Becton all on, so that wasn't a surprise. And I thought, wow, this plays perfectly for Tampa Bay who uh, they just, you know, Tristan Wirfs kind of fell to them. So he's going to be great for them. Uh, but like all these offensive tackles that are coming in as rookies, there is a bit of a learning curve. We'll see how that goes for him. Uh, the Bucks defense, it, it's, it's league average. 
So I look at the Bucks offense as they were super exciting last year. The hype is through the roof this year. I think they're two wins better than they were last year. And I think they're a 10 and six football team. Um, and, and that's it. And that's fine. But people think they're going to go out there and be better than the Saints. And no way. Like they, they were seven and nine last year. If you correct the quarterback position, their three wins, maybe four wins better, but that's no, no, not even because Jameis Winston had some great games out there. So they're three wins better. They're 10 and six. They still come short to the Saints. Coming in third in the division, uh, I look at the Carolina Panthers as a like young, fun team that Matt Rule and Joe Brady are really going to really shake things up. They have DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson at wide receiver. They have the league MVP at fantasy football, Christian McCaffrey at running back. Teddy Bridgewater, we're going to learn. We're going to learn if he is like the, like you know, worthy of being a starting quarterback in the NFL or if he was a product of of uh Sean Payton. And then at Atlanta, more of the same from them because Matty Ice is still there. Julio Jones is a year older. Uh, they lost Austin Hooper. They gained Todd Gurley, but do you really trust Todd Gurley's knee? There's a lot of questions in both Atlanta and Carolina, but the questions about Carolina is them getting better, and the questions about Atlanta is them getting softer and possibly coming in last in the division. Um, I think Atlanta slightly holds off Carolina, but I think both of these teams are six to seven wins, five to six wins. Um, but I do like where Carolina is going. Maybe not with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, though. Okay, so that is how I have the NFC shaking out. The Vikings, the Saints, the uh, Dallas Cowboys, and the Seahawks winning their divisions. The three wildcard teams I have are the San Francisco 49ers, the Green Bay Packers, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So those are the seven teams I have making the playoffs from the from the NFC. Um, you know, I think uh, Detroit makes like a nice push. I think uh, the Rams are really close, and they just you know it's it's too bad. Like they're the third team in a really good division. I think the Eagles miss out, um, and I think the Bears fire Nagy. That's one of my hot takes. So uh, that's the NFC. How I have it shaking out to see who makes the Super Bowl. You know, I do think come playoff time that this battle-tested New Orleans Saints team isn't going to get ousted early. However, I think a Tom Brady team, once playoff times hits, he's going to be tough to beat too. Uh, I do not think the Niners make it to the Super Bowl. I think the Seahawks also do not make it as well. I think the Cowboys are another team that falls short in the playoffs. And ultimately, I do see the New Orleans Saints making it to the Super Bowl uh, past all of these teams. That It, it should be a very competitive uh, national football conference. All right. Over to the AFC. Very long-winded. I'm already 47 minutes in. Jake, you're going to have to be faster. All right, AFC East. Last year, the Patriots won the division at 12 and four. The Bills made the playoffs at 10 and six, and they almost, almost won a playoff game. Uh, however, they fell just short. 
on that wildcard weekend. Deshaun Watson uh, just had enough magic in him to take down the Bills. The Patriots, uh, they lost to the Tennessee Titans, and it looked like they lost playing their own game. Tom Brady looked terrible. Uh, the Patriots dynasty really did look over. Uh, big things, big shakeups in the division, though. You know, you have uh, the Miami Dolphins drafted Tua Tungo Vailoa and seemed to be a very fun team on the rise. They also added a lot of pieces on defense that would suggest they are going to be better. Uh, the New York Jets, Sam Darnold is, you know, if they keep him healthy, they have Mekhi Becton blocking his blind side. They still have Le'Veon Bell there. C.J. Mosley opted out for this season. Uh, their defense is kind of in shambles right now, and they don't have any targets for, for Sam Darnold. I do not see this working out for him. Sorry that I'm starting with the you know the worst for first, but I think the Jets fall in this division, and I think they go 4-12, and and they are the bottom of this division. Third in this division, I think this is where it gets fun. I think the Dolphins are really on the up and up, but I don't think they're going to break through the top two teams. I think the Bills' defense, the Patriots' defense are very good. They're still better than the Dolphins'. And an offense, they just they know what they are. They've been there longer. I know there's a big big position change in New England. I'll get to that. Um, I think there are going to be some lumps. Tua's not even starting just yet. I think the Dolphins are going to be fun. I think Preston Williams, Mike Gusecki are some very exciting rece- uh, players they have. The running back depth chart, you know, they add Matt Breida. I, I think he'll be fine there, but I think it ultimately comes down to, you know, like a RB uh, by committee type situation. I look at the Dolphins and I see kind of a six and ten, possibly even seven and nine team. But when we get to the top two teams, I do think finally we do get, uh, you know, the fall of the Patriots. I think they're still very good. I think Bill Belichick is going to have a lot to prove this year. A lot of people are going to say, you know, Tom Brady has a lot to prove not being with Belichick. Belichick's going to have a lot to prove too. He lost Tom Brady. He hasn't had Gronk for a year. He has just a bunch of random guys at wide receiver and running back. Nobody really knows what's going on in New England. I think this is going to be one of his best years yet, but I think they're going to lose the division to the Buffalo Bills, who went from 10-6 and 6 last year. I think they go up to 11-5 and 5 this year, and I think the Patriots from 12-4 and 4 last year drop to 10-6 and 6 this year. I think both teams still make the playoffs, but I think the Bills... You know, with Josh Allen in the fold, I think he's going to only improve as a passer. Uh, they give him Stephon Diggs. They give him Zach Moss at running back. Uh, I, I really like what Buffalo is doing. They know what they are. They know what they have. And they're going to be a good team for a while now. And I think they're going to go 11-5 and and win that division. And I think they're going to squeak by the Patriots. The Patriots, though, Cam Newton, I think he's going to be good for them. I think... Everyone in New England, they're going to be kind of like a hard-nosed team. Nikhil Harry, good wide receiver. Jacoby Myers, good wide receiver. Um, running backs, whoever is going to be active for them is going to do just fine. And their defense is still really good, and they're still going to bewilder people. And I think they're going to win a lot of games. But I think they split the season series with the Buffalo Bills. And I think that first-place schedule is going to hurt them because I think they'll lose to the Ravens. I think they'll lose to the Chiefs and possibly uh, even lose to like the team like the Texans. So 
I see a couple losses on their schedule, whereas the Bills, you know, they're playing teams like the Broncos, the Steelers, and the Titans. Uh, that's an easier schedule. You know, it's an easier schedule to me. Um, so I think Bills win the AFC East. Patriots get in as a wild card. All right, AFC West. I'm not predicting any big shakeup. Uh, I still think the Kansas City Chiefs, they were 12-4 and last year. I think they remain on top. They are the kings until someone dethrones them. Uh, the difference I see with, from them and, uh, you know, team like the Niners, who I said would fall back to grace a little bit, I don't think the Chiefs are a gimmick. I think the Chiefs are kind of like the Bills in that they know exactly what they are and they're filling in their roster with players they need. They're protecting Pat Mahomes. They have a very good offensive line. They just gave him a brand new shiny toy in the backfield in Clyde Edwards Hilaire that, trust me, Andy Reid takes a running back in round one. He's going to use that running back. Those first round picks are very valuable, and you can get running backs on day two, day three, even undrafted or guys that were cut from their rosters. You can find running backs. They had Damian Williams was basically, I mean, he was pretty much the Super Bowl MVP. They're not going to give it to him over Pat Mahomes, but he was he was one of the most valuable players in that game. And Damian Williams is not a high draft pick, so... You look at what Andy Reid, he thought it was important enough to take a running back in the first round of the NFL draft instead of trading back and acquiring more picks for a team that didn't have a lot of picks. Instead of taking a position you know, where it's like, oh, cornerback, much more valuable. Offensive line, much more valuable. Um, you know, the, He went for weapon. So they're going to use Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And they're going to take pressure off of Mahomes. Uh, they're going to protect Mahomes well. They're going to stretch the field really well with Hill. Hardman, Watkins, and probably another wide receiver that none of us have heard of yet, but can run his balls off. Uh, that's what they do, it, and that's they're just going to take the fastest players that learn the playbook and catch the ball, and they're going to throw them on the field, and they're going to run track on everybody. I think uh, the Kansas City Chiefs improve from their 12 and 4 record and possibly go 13 and 3, maybe even 14 and 2. Uh, they are just the best team in football. Their defense, yeah, it's not like a lot to be desired, but they do have Chris Jones on that defensive line. And I think they know that they are a play-from-ahead team, a team that says, we're going to get after you. You know, we have uh, uh, we have the offense that we're just going to beat everybody in a track meet. Let's not act like we are, you know, anything special on defense. They're going to hold some teams, and uh, it, it's... There's not much to say. Everyone knows how good the Chiefs are. 13-3, and 14-2, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, second in the division. Last year, there was a tie between the Raiders and the Broncos, both at 7-9. and nine. I think the Broncos take a leap up this year. They were second last year. I think they jumped to like 9-7, and seven, possibly 10-6 and six this year. Drew Locke really played well at the end of the season. And they gave him a lot of weapons on offense. His O-line somewhat suspect they need to protect him because that will be the big question mark for the Broncos on offense they have Melvin Gordon and uh Lindsay in the backfield nice backfield uh they have at wide receiver they just drafted Jerry Judy they already had Cortland Sutton um and they also added uh Hamler from Penn State they're going to give Drew Locke every op every option to you know compete through the passing game Noah Fant very nice tight end so I think Denver is going to score some points. And on defense, they added some 
I mean, they stole A.J. Bouye from Jacksonville. They stole Jarrell Casey from Tennessee. They already had a pretty good defense, and they added two studs. I think they're going to be a surprise defense, and they're going to be a very good team. I see the Denver Broncos really upping it and getting to possibly 10-6. and six. They might be one of the teams that beats the Chiefs next year. Uh, I know they won't have that, like, you know, that home field uh, advantage with the crowd and everything. You know, it's going to be weird playing in front of empty stadiums. Football is not meant to be played in front of empty stadiums, but I still think they are going to be a good team. Possibly 10 and 6. I think that's a little aggressive. I think maybe 9 and 7 is a safer bet with them, but they're going to be one of those teams fighting for a playoff spot. Third in the division, uh, I think this is, you know, this is kind of where this division might go to crap a little bit. Uh, there might be a big fall off between the Broncos and this next two teams. You know, the Chargers, they're going to start with Tyrod Taylor. He might start all season for them because we don't know when Josh Herbert's going to be ready. I like Josh Herbert. I think he's got a solid arm. He can move. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to be an NFL mind at quarterback. So we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. I could totally be wrong. I just, you know, you better be right if you're going to be taking Herbert that high in the draft. They lost Gordon, but Austin Eckler, nice running back on offense. And like like I said, you know, it doesn't take a lot to be a good NFL uh, running back. And Eckler's fine. Justin Jackson, Josh Kelly, they, they got decent running back depth. Um, I, my guy, uh, Kareem Allen. Is it Kareem Allen? Damn, I can't believe I just said my guy. Uh, and, and, you know, questioned if that was even his name. But... Uh, at wide receiver, you know, Mike Williams, he's constantly getting hurt. Uh, but that's only, you know, one guy that they have. I think they're going to be one of those Keenan Allen. Thank you. Jeez. I'm such an idiot. Okay. Kareem Allen, uh, Keenan Allen. He was called out this, uh, this off season. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder this year because a lot of the faster wide receivers in the NFL were making fun of him. Uh, I think he's going to produce. I think he's constantly a guy that catches a lot of passes. And Tyrod Taylor, even though he's not the best quarterback, he's going to know, listen, this is my moneymaker. Um, this is how we're going to get the first downs and move the ball. Hunter Henry, nice tight end. He uh, you know, he just got – he's playing under the franchise tag. But I, I don't see them moving the ball enough to compete with these better offenses in their division. Um and I see the same problem happening with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, now, I do like the the Chargers defense. Last year, I picked them to finish a lot higher than they did. I thought they were going to be the winner of the West and the Chiefs would be a, a playoff team as a wild card. And boy, was that a bad pick because the Chargers fell flat on their face last season. However, I think they'll be a little bit better this year. I do love their defense. Uh, however, I look at the team like the Raiders right in front of them. So, you know, you look at the Raiders and the Chargers. I do think those are going to be vying for the third place spot. But I think it's going to ultimately be the Chargers because they just have a better defense uh, than the Raiders. And even though their offense seems to be lacking, uh, like a veteran at quarterback and maybe uh, like a secondary playmaker, or maybe Keenan Allen is a secondary playmaker and they're lacking a first playmaker um I, I look at the Raiders as they could be in quite like a mess this year I like Derek Carr as a quarterback I think he's good uh but you know Henry Ruggs was their choice in the first round I thought 
okay, that'll be good if you're going to spread the ball around and run a lot, but he's not going to a team that's already established that like the Chiefs. And he's not going to a team that has like a proven winner or a proven offensive genius at head coach. He's not going to Sean Payton. Um, he's not going to a Bruce Arians. Uh, he's going to John Gruden. And I like Brian Edwards in the mid-rounds. I, I like Lynn Bowden as a late-round pick. But these are rookies. And rookies, like I said, they don't really make that like immediate impact uh, as, much, as often as you think they would. Um, their offensive line is pretty good. Their quarterback is pretty good. Their playmakers, uh, it's a work in progress. Tyrell Williams is going to be out. Uh, he's on the IR for the year. You have Clemson's favorite and the old man at wide receiver. Um, and I forget his name. I'm going a little brain dead right now. But I just think they're going to have, you know, Josh Jacobs is a good running back. But again, I don't think a good running back will make a good team, a bad team, good. I think they'll make a bad team less bad, but it's going to take more than that. And they don't really have a very good defense, so I think the Raiders come in last in the West. I think they're like a five and eleven team. I think the Chargers probably are similar at five and eleven, maybe six and ten. And uh, you know, both teams are out of the playoffs, whereas the Broncos, I think, will make the playoffs at nine and seven, possibly ten and six. And then, obviously, the Chiefs, they, they're going to be the, possibly the best team in the, in the NFL again. So uh, they will win in that division. So we go down to the AFC South, where last year we had a couple playoff teams. You had the Texans win the division. And you had the Titans make it to the AFC Championship game as a wild card. They beat, en route to that, they beat the New England Patriots. And the 14-2 and Baltimore Ravens off of a bye. And they beat the Ravens and the Patriots at similar games to what those teams play. You know, uh, they, they out-Patriot the Patriots. And then when they went to Baltimore, they just ran the ball down their throat. And Lamar didn't really look like the MVP. They kind of looked like a little sloppy, the Ravens. They looked like they were taking the Titans for granted. And they said it after the game. That they took them for granted and they looked past them. So, you know, I, I mean, that you don't want to hear that from your starting quarterback. But, you know, again, Lamar's young. He's going to just keep getting better. So, it's whatever. Um, the Titans, though, they invest a lot of money in Ryan Tannehill. I think that might end up being a mistake. I think they should have went a different route. I thought they were going to be the team that signed Tom Brady. Um, that did not happen. Uh, they gave a lot of money to Ryan Tannehill. They, they are another team. They are Mike Rabel's like puppies, and they know what they are. They are going to be ground and pound with Derrick Henry. They have some decent tight ends. Jonu Smith maybe like is is gonna be like that next up and coming like pretty good def- decent tight end uh, at wide receiver. AJ Brown as a rookie was like really showing off. He's gonna be their number one this year, and he's gonna be really good. Corey Davis. I think uh, the best for him is going to be just a reliable number two guy because uh, he's not living up to his number five overall pick. But A.J. Brown, he's looking pretty good. And obviously Derrick Henry in the backfield, who's the rushing king this year. He stole it in the last week from Nick Chubb. Um, but he earned it. It was, And then he really earned it in the playoffs when he just was 
carrying the Titans to the AFC Championship game, in which they had a lead on the Chiefs, but they were not able to hold it. I think uh, the Titans know, like I said, they know what they are. They are going to be a like 500 to a plus 500 team. I think they are like 9-7, and 8-8, eight and eight, uh, because I don't think they made much improvements. And if teams just, you know force Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill, to beat you, I think he's a league average quarterback, and you can live with a league average quarterback trying to beat you, and it's going to come down to how is his connection with A.J. Brown, how is Corey Davis doing as the secondary receiver, is Jonu Smith stepping up as like as the next tight end, you know, um, are they like getting better? So uh, I think they are going to be similar to what they were this past season, and uh, kind of be that like just 500 team. Uh, last year the Colts finished seven and nine, and you know the one thing you watch from them was like, man, if they had a quarterback. Uh, this year they got a quarterback. They draft. They added Philip Rivers. They have this roster that they think, hey, listen, we have the best offensive line in football. They do. They have the best offensive line men in football in Quentin Nelson. They do. They have. The type of line and running game that no matter who's back there, Marlon Mack um, will rush for a thousand yards, and then they have a good receiving back in Naheem Hines, and then they added a second round pick in Jonathan Taylor, who once he gets the ball rolling as the starter and as the full time running back, he is going to be wrecking the league at running back. So I think once they figure out that and who they are, that's really good. Michael Pittman Jr. in the second round. Good ad, again, rookie wide receivers, kind of tough. We'll see how he adjusts. But I think uh, across from uh, from T.Y. Hilton and with Paris Campbell as like their third receiver, I really like this combo that they have going. I think Jack Doyle, fine tight end. Nothing spectacular, but fine. I think on offense, they're a team that they're going to move the ball. And as long as Philip Rivers, he's going to be protected very well. If Philip Rivers is not making mistakes out there and still has enough arm strength to get the ball to his uh, playmakers, the running backs are going to move the ball. Sorry about that. That's Nola. I don't know what you're barking at. Don't know what you're barking at. I think the running backs are going to carry this team, and they are going to be a 500 team at 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. They're going to be right there with the Titans uh, because I think the Colts are secretly like upgrading their defense every year. And uh, I, you know, when you trade for a defensive lineman from the San Francisco 49ers, that's going to do your team very well. You know, I mean, they had the problem last year, uh, the Niners did, with DeForest Buckner and um, and uh, Arik Armstead. So, you know, they had to make a choice, right? So they trade one of them, they sign one of them, and then, of course, they drafted whatchamacallit, J- uh, Javon Kinlaw, to replace DeForest Buckner, who was traded to the Niners. So um, I think Buckner is going to really help a defense that was already getting better, and I think the Colts are one of the improved teams. I think they're going to be right around that playoff mark with the Broncos, with the Patriots, with the uh, Tennessee Titans. And, I, of course, coming in last in their division, this comes as no surprise as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I think the Jags, uh, they're tanking for Trevor. They know what they're doing. They are trading off pieces left and right. 
They got rid of A.J. Bouye. They already got rid of Jalen Ramsey last year. They probably are going to trade Miles Jack. They just signed Joe Schobert, which was surprising because now Joe Schobert's going to a team. I feel bad for him because they are shedding spare parts all over the place. They just traded Ronnie Harrison to the Browns today, which I thought was a very nice ad for the Browns for a fifth-round pick because Harrison, you know, he might not start week one, but I think in the long run, him and Delpit are two young safeties that they're going to hope they can build around as uh, like kind of like their anchors in their defensive backfield. That'd be really nice. Uh, but the Jags, they're aiming for last. So they're going to come in last. I think they're 2-14, and 14 and they get the first overall pick. Uh, it's that simple. Gardner Minshew, I hope he balls out. I hope he just you know gives it his all. He's going to have Tyler Eifert as a tight end. He's going to have nothing at running back. Um, he will have DJ Chark, who's a nice wide receiver, and guys like Lavishka Chenault uh, at wide receiver, who is another piece that, like, you know, he's a very interesting type player. He, like, is built like a running back. Um, so we'll see, you know, if he can get the offense going at times, but they are trying to lose. So keep that in mind. When Gardner Minshew's trying to win, the front office is trying to lose, and, and ultimately the front office always wins at these things. So... Uh, Jags will come in last. Oh, I did. I, I skipped the Texans. So you're probably wondering who's going to win this division. You got two teams coming in right around 500. Are the Texans who finished 10 and six last year, right? You know, they finished 10 and six. They get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. They uh, they have figured out left tackle by adding Lar- Laramie Tunsil. Uh, they have to protect Deshaun Watson. Now they didn't exactly upgrade by trading away. DeAndre Hopkins because all they added was David Johnson who I think David Johnson can do well for them however I'm not so sure that was a smart move for the team they have a bunch of receivers that seem to be like the same player you know they'll have Kenny Stills they'll have Will Fuller they'll have Brandon Cooks speedy guys running around the field are they trying to do what you know what um Kansas City's doing I don't think they're built the right way to do it. Um, however, I still think their defense is pretty good. They they um, are in a division that they're going to be. It's going to be a really tight, fun race. And I think they finished nine and seven. And you're going to have this is my bold prediction: three teams in the AFC South finishing at nine and seven. And I think it's going to be like a three-way tie. And you're going to have one team make the playoffs as the champ, one team make it as a wild card, and I think one actually doesn't make the playoffs. Uh, It's going to be a very spooky year. And I think the team that doesn't make the playoffs is going to be the Houston Texans. Um, And I think the Colts make enough improvements to make the playoffs, and I think the Tennessee Titans will actually win the division as that ground-and-bound team, similar to what like you see from the Buffalo Bills right now and the San Francisco 49ers. So, all in all, I, I, I really, to be honest, I don't think it's going to end in a three-way tie. I think that's silly. But I do think those three teams will finish in the range of 10-6 and six to 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, Three teams finishing within two games of each other. So, uh, I think it's going to be very tight. It'll be definitely the tightest race. And unless there's like a major injury... Um, and I see right now Deshaun Watson being on the outside of that, mainly because Bill O'Brien won't do what is needed to surround Deshaun Watson with the talent. Um, 
and and it's weird because he's given him a lot of wide receivers, but he just traded away his number one wide receiver for an aging number one running back, which you can get those. And so I don't really don't know what Bill O'Brien's doing. They're just good enough to be a winning team, not good enough to be much more than that, though. And I think that's what you can say about three of the four AFC South teams. Okay, finally, the last division, the AFC North, the one that everybody came here to listen to me talk about. Uh, last year, the Baltimore Ravens went 14-2. and uh, They started the season 2-2 two and two after the Browns mollywopped them in Baltimore. Uh, it would have been an even bigger blowout had the, the Baltimore Ravens not scored on the last play of the game on a cheap touchdown. With that being said, four weeks into the season, both teams are 2-2. Two and two. Ben Roethlisberger had just gotten hurt. Cincinnati was already in the tank for the season. Uh, we all know how it went from there. Lamar Jackson went on to have an MVP season. Uh, Jim Harbaugh and the whole coaching staff knew exactly what they have to do to create the best possible scenario for this team, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, they are a team that relies heavily on the run game, uh, on the play action, on the read option, they have moving guys all around. Marquise Brown is going to stretch the field. Mark Andrews is going to be reliable over the middle. Lamar Jackson is going to take off and run if he doesn't like what he sees. Uh, Lamar Jackson's only going to get better. I do think he's not going to... He, I should be careful with how I said this because he's not going to... You know That MVP season will probably be his best season ever. However, I do think he'll get better in other areas of his passing, whereas his running, I think it'll be smart for him to run less. With that being said, I think they added J.K. Dobbins for the long run. Mark, Mark Ingram might be the starter now, but Dobbins will be the starter in the future, and I think he's going to be a problem for the Cleveland Browns and the rest of the AFC North. Their defense is really good. Uh, I think it's, you know, to... I think their DBs are all a little overrated. I think Marcus Peters talks more game than he actually plays. Uh, and I think Marlon Humphrey gets in more fights than he does pass breakups. But I think both of them are good. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, their safeties, you know, Earl Thomas is now off the team uh, after that, you know, very interesting situation that they had going on. But their defense is still good. Uh, to very good. I think it's a little overrated and overhyped, but it's still one of the better ones. And their offense, again, they have a great offensive line. Um, some people say it's the best in the league. I don't think it is. You know, Marshall Yonder just retired, so let's not forget about that. Like, their best offensive lineman just retired. Uh, you know, maybe second best after Ronnie Stanley. So we'll see how they do going forward. Uh, but they have a good offensive line. They have good running backs. They have the MVP at quarterback who runs a certain offense that they're built for. Wide receivers, Marquise Brown, he is lightning. He is very exciting. And Lamar's got the arm to get it to him. They are going to be a good football team. Uh, are they going to be as good as the 14-2 and record that they posted last year? I don't think so. I think they take a bit of a step back similar to what the Niners had this year. Or what I what I'm predicting the Niners to have this year, I think the the Ravens are still a playoff team, and I think they're still going to be in the play for winning the division and a Super Bowl contender. But 
it's going come going to come down to teams are figuring out Lamar. Lamar in his first meeting with every team has pretty much beaten everybody the first time around. Yet when he plays a team for the second time or when a team has time to prepare, you know, that's when teams start to beat him, right? Outside of the Bengals. The Bengals are the one team that he just slobbers every time. But gets to the playoffs, loses to, you know, in his rookie year, gets to the playoffs. He loses to the Chargers where he just played them three weeks earlier where the Chargers knew how to make him turn the ball over. This year, gets to the playoffs, even as the bye week, and doesn't take the Titans seriously, and the Titans force him to turn the ball over. He admits it, that he didn't take them seriously, which is ridiculous. And if you heard Baker Mayfield say that, oh my God, people would kill him. But Lamar Jackson says it, and it's like, oh, it's okay. He'll he'll get better. Whatever. Lamar Jackson's going to get better as a passer, um, but teams are going to figure out how to force him to beat them through the air without giving up, you know, seams to Mark Andrews all the time. They're a good team, but they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to smoke teams like they did last year. They're not going to catch so many teams off guard. And I don't think they're going to be playing from in front all the time. That was another problem with the Ravens last year. They played from in front in almost every game. But when they didn't play from in front, and they weren't just playing their running game where they were doing the read option and play action and having all the fun because they were leading. When they weren't winning and they had to change up their game plan and they had to be a little more efficient and had to be a little more aggressive, things didn't really go their way. The Titans game, the Browns game in week four, and and the Chiefs game. Uh, their three losses of the season, all games where they didn't have the luxury of playing from in front the whole time. So, if teams get the beat on them and find out a way to take a lead early, you know, beat this beat this defense and force the offense to play real football where it's, you know, real 2020 football and not like this gimmicky BS, I think the Ravens are going to run into some problems. The Pittsburgh Steelers, however, this is a team that I am I mean, I'm battling myself right now because my head says one thing and my heart says another thing. Um, my heart says I want to just talk so much shit about them because I believe that we're coming to an end of their run. But my head says, Jake, if you do that, they are going to have a great season and you're going to be really pissed off that the Steelers made the playoffs instead of the Browns. And, you know, you're just going to be saying, like, wow, I shouldn't have talked so much shit about them. Um, you know, at wide receiver, Deontay Johnson, pretty decent player. But they had such bad quarterback play last year after Ben got hurt that he didn't have the numbers that a pretty decent wide receiver should have. Juju Smith-Schuster, I think everyone's seeing that, you know, he had that rookie season where he shined so bright and early in his career where he was making all these plays and he was super young and he's a lot of fun because he's on TikTok and he's on Fortnite and he's he's doing a lot of things. But I think people are realizing, you know, he's not a superstar. He's not like, maybe is he a thousand yard receiver? Yes. But is he like a top 15, top 20 receiver? Maybe not. Maybe he's just on the outside of that. Um, I think people are going to start realizing that. James Conner, league average running back. 
I know people are saying he looks great, he's in top shape, but like you could say about a lot of running backs this time of year, people are saying about Le'Veon Bell. So I I don't love this like the Steelers wagon. They have Benny Snell, they have James Washington. I think those are replaceable players. Um, they added Chase Claypool. They say he's looking good. You know, if he turns it on, that would really suck because it's another Notre Dame guy killing it for the Steelers. Uh, their offensive line is good. Ben Roethlisberger is back, but he was, you know, he's old and he had an arm injury last year. I'm hoping that it takes him a little bit of time to adjust. I think once he gets hit a couple more times, we might be seeing the end of Big Ben. You know, Eli retired this year. Uh, Philip Rivers, he is on his last legs, and and so is Ben. Those three guys came out at the same time. I think we're seeing the end of that era. And I think we're going to start to begin to see the fall of that like Steelers team. Their defense is a little overrated. To me, it's just TJ Watt. He's really good. But I think Bud Dupree, overrated. I think their D-line, actually, no. Their Cam, Cam Hayward's good. But to me, it's you know Cam Hayward. It's TJ Watt. I think their DBs are overrated. Uh, I think Minka Fitzpatrick is really good, but we haven't seen him be the best safety in the NFL like people are talking him up to be. So uh, I think the Steelers have like a top half of the NFL defense, not the number one defense like they're being talked up to be. And I think their offense is going to struggle at times. And I think if you get to Ben this year, maybe we start to see the crippling fall from them. The Cincinnati Bengals are a team that, you know, they're doing all the right things, right? They will get their first-round pick from 2019, Jonah Williams, back this year. He missed all of last year. They're getting him and Joe Burrow as basically rookies this year. They drafted T. Higgins in the second round, rookie wide receiver. Um, They just paid Joe Mixon, so they're paying their running back while all these other guys are on their rookie deals, which... Is fine, you know, like I, I have mixed feelings about paying running backs. You're not supposed to do it, but if you want to do it while you have the money, there's no harm in it. Like the Bengals have money to pay Joe Mixon for the next four years. You know, they don't have to pay Joe Burrow until Mixon's deal is over. So when it comes time to pay Burrow, they'll let Mixon go. <coughs> Excuse me. And they'll draft a running back in the in the second round. So that'll be fine. They have A.J. Green coming back from being a year off. John Ross, T. Higgins, um, Taj, or Taj Boyd. Um, Tyler Boyd is a super underrated slot receiver. Um, I think they have all the right pieces. However, they still are going to be starting Bobby Hart. And Jonah Williams has never played an NFL game and was hurt all last year. And that was just two bad links of their offensive line. So... I think Joe Burrow is going to have a really rough season. And I think that's okay because they still made the right pick. They still took the franchise quarterback where they had to. But they need to invest in the offensive line next year if they really want to like step it up. They were 2-14 and 14 last year. I think they get to 3-13, and 4-12, but they will be the bottom of the division. I think um, the Steelers, like I said... They're going to fall down a little bit from their 8-8. Eight eight. I think they're going to go 6-10. and 10, And you're going to start to see the slide of the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, next year. 
In third, I just told you, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think they take a little bit of a tumble from their 14-2 and record, and they go 10-6. and uh, Because I think teams are going to start to figure them out. Lamar's going to have to adjust midseason to teams figuring them out, but he's still very talented, and they've got a very talented offense and talented defense. They're 10-6, they're a playoff team. And winning the AFC North, I wouldn't be the host of the Jake podcast. I wouldn't be son of Mark Brainy. I wouldn't be Jake Brainy if I didn't pick the Browns to win the AFC North at 10-6 and six every year. Baker Mayfield had a tough season. You know, coming off of 2018, well, I'll, I'll rewind it a couple years. 2017, the Browns go winless. There is one win in in 1-31. There's no hope. They still have their bad head coach. They hire a new GM who brings in Baker Mayfield. Baker plays his rookie year. He basically is rookie of the year because he wins half the rookie of the year awards. Apparently there are a bunch of rookie of the year awards. Him and Barkley split the rookie of the year awards. There's so much hope after that 7-8-1 season. Um, That... A lot of people pick the Browns to be the Super Bowl contenders that we're all excited to see. We have a new coach, Freddie Kitchens. We have a new toy, Odell Beckham Jr. is new in town. There were so many nice things to look at. Baker Mayfield coming off of a great rookie season. Odell Beckham is here. We have a new coach that was the coach in late 2018 that was the reason we were so successful on offense. Nick Chubb is still here, and we have Kareem Hunt. Everything is going well. But of course, that was all just the icing on the shit cake. Because behind every single one of those people, there was a problem that we weren't talking about. Odell was here, but he didn't work out with Baker, and he was hurt all preseason. He didn't have time to work out with the team. He was hurt. He was playing with a sports hernia, and him and Baker never quite connected. Still had a thousand yards, but he w- and him and Baker just were never on the same page. And there were so many times with a Baker and his twenty interceptions that the interception was because the player he was expecting to be in a certain spot wasn't there, and that's connection issues. That's not. It's not exactly wide receivers' fault. It's not exactly the quarterback's fault. It's the fault of the team for not having them ready. And it's the fault of both of them, really. Um, So Baker Mayfield, he was a little out of shape. He was doing a lot of commercials, and he wasn't playing to his best. His footwork was off, and he was pushed into a role that he wasn't really ready to on the scheme side of things. And uh, his performance suffered. Uh, there was a lot of talk with the media. And I'm going to blame local media, not even national media. National media did their thing that we knew they were going to do. Colin Coward talked shit day after day, week after week. Uh, he talked about the Browns more than any other team. ESPN ripped them. First take, ripped them. Uh, whatever Mike Greenberg's show is called, ripped them. Everybody ripped them apart. If they, if you, if they, If they ever heard a word about how big, good Baker Mayfield was going to be, they ripped him apart. They said things like, oh, the Browns have been talking shit, even though the Browns hadn't been talking shit. All right? The Browns fans have been talking shit. I was talking shit. 
Call out Browns fans. Don't call out Baker. He wasn't doing anything except, you know, commercials. If you want to call him out for doing commercials instead of working with Odell Beckham, that's fair. But don't call him out for talking shit. It was other teams talking shit to us, and then we responded to the media, and that never went well. You know, it was our own fault, but our media didn't help. Uh, was Jarvis Landry goes to New England and says, we came here. We didn't come here to lose. We came here to win. We have to prepare to win. We prepare like we think we're going to win. And what does Mary Kay do? She quotes it as, we think we're going to win. And everyone's talking about how, oh, uh, Browns think they're going to beat the Patriots and they just guarantee to win because Mary Kay fucking, you know, doesn't know how to title an article. You know, and everything happens with Richard Sherman saying that Baker Mayfield didn't shake his hand. But of course, nobody, you know, nobody thought to look at the film. No one thought to look if Baker actually did it. They just took, you know, Sherman's word for it and said, that's so unprofessional by Baker Mayfield. Meanwhile, two days later, the film comes out and it's like, oh, actually, he did shake his hand. Are we going to go back and, uh, you know, relive that? No, we're just going to, you know, roast Baker for it and let it happen. Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa, same thing. Talked so much shit, but the moment had already passed. The Browns were a mess last year. Odell was playing hurt. Freddie Kitchens was in over his head. He was not the coach we thought he was. We thought he was responsible for the Browns' offensive success in 2018. He was not. Apparently, that was Ken Zampezi. That was more of just everything around Ken, uh, Freddie Kitchens. And we just all love to see Freddie Kitchens and that big Southern accent talking to Baker during the games and having a lot of fun. But he wasn't the offensive mastermind that we thought he was. And you saw that after, I mean, after the first drive of every game. First drive, which everyone knows, is scripted in practice during the, during the week of practice. So you have that. But then after that, you then work on the fly. And that's where the coaching comes in. And if you look at the Browns numbers, Baker Mayfield, first drive alone. He had the third best completion percentage of quarterbacks and had the best QBR of any quarterback on the first drive of the game last year. After that, he was one of the worst. After the first drive, the Browns were one of the worst offensive teams in the NFL. First drive, Browns were top three. So I think with the upgrades to Baker's regimen, Odell's health, the fact that we, A, are getting David Njoku back this year, and we added Austin Hooper, and we made upgrades to the offensive line, right? Added Jedrick Wills at number 10. Added Jack Conklin at right tackle. The two biggest problems on the offensive, uh, on the offense were addressed. There's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for, for Wills. I understand that. Um, Treader, a little banged up right now, but we drafted a center, so we should be okay there. Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs in the NFL last year. There, he, He's still here. Jarvis Landry, still here. Odell, still here. Baker, still here. And now we finally have an offense from an offensive mastermind. Kevin Stefanski is now here. He is not a personality guy. He is a production guy. And that was one of the first things he said in his press conference was, personality is welcome, production is required. So, what does he do? He plays two tight ends a lot. When did Baker Mayfield play his best? With two tight ends on the field. When did Nick Chubb play his best? With two tight ends on the field. When did Odell play his best? Two tight ends on the field. Because it just the way that it's going to work out for the Browns is they now are deep at tight end, with David Njoku being their third tight end, Harrison Bryant, the rookie, is their second, and Austin Hooper, their number one. They are 
deep enough at wide receiver where you know Richard Hollywood Higgins is wide receiver number three, and Donovan Peoples Jones is wide receiver number four. Kadero Hodge will also be in that mix, but those guys aren't going to see the field as much because we're going to be playing with two tight ends, we're going to be playing with a fullback, we're going to be playing with two running backs, and I think that's going to be better for the offense because that's where Baker Mayfield succeeded, and that's where this offense is going to succeed. Miles Garrett, he's coming off of his suspension. He was having a breakout season. He is looking insane, and we improved the defensive line around him too by adding some defensive tackles. Uh, Olivier Vernon is back. He is healthy. We added better defensive ends behind them. Linebacker might be a little bit of an issue, but we know with the current NFL, you don't play a lot of linebackers, and I think the Browns like the ones they have in there. If their cornerbacks can stay healthy, they have a decent D-back situation. Actually, they have a very good defensive D-back situation, but right now they're just a little banged up, and uh, it worries me. I think the Browns' defense is going to be one of the top half in the league. I think their offense is going to be super efficient, and they're going to win the division at 10-6, and 11-5. I think they this is finally the year they come off of that hangover that was last year and really soar. Okay, so that's my prediction. Cleveland Browns win the AFC North. Baltimore Ravens are a wild card. Buffalo Bills win the AFC East. New England Patriots are a wild card. The South is won by... And I'm going to go out on a limb. This is tough, but I'm going to say the Tennessee Titans. And then I have in the West, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. And the final wild card is actually going to be the Denver Broncos. Only one team from the South is going to make the playoffs um, because I think the Broncos steal that final playoff spot, along final wild card spot. And then in the AFC playoffs, I think the Bills get past the first round. I think they're going to be an interesting team. Uh, but I don't think they eventually win at all. I think the Patriots also fall early. I think the Tennessee Titans will fall as well. I think this is going to come down to the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Browns. And of course, what kind of Browns fan would I be if I don't pick them to go to the Super Bowl? So I have the Browns and the Saints facing off in the Super Bowl where I have Baker Mayfield taking down Drew Brees and Sean Payton and the Browns win the Super Bowl. So congratulations to all my listeners who waited the hour and 33 minutes for me to say it, but I do think the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl. Because of course I do. Because that's what I always think. So that's what I have happening. I have the New Orleans Saints facing the Cleveland Browns in the Super Bowl. MVP this year, uh, I do think this is going to come back to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they just, they're just such a good team. He was MVP two years ago. He was Super Bowl MVP last year. I think he's going to be MVP again. Um, and I think if we're not playing the bias card, I don't see any team stopping them. But I did pick the Browns to win the Super Bowl because that's what I do. Um, in terms of most improved player, I think this is clearly Baker Mayfield because he just played so poorly last year that I think he has a lot of area to improve. And I think you're going to see a kind of like a Kirk Cousins-esque improvement more than Ryan Tannehill had last year. More than you see from a lot of the like mid-range quarterbacks, I think you're really going to see a step up from his play, and you're going to see 28 to 30 touchdowns, and you're going to see very little interceptions because they're going to be very responsible with the ball. They're going to hand it off to Nick Chubb a lot, and the Browns are going to uh, have better you know receivers because they're going to be healthier. So I think uh, Baker Mayfield for most improved player. 
Um, rookie of the year. This is going to be really fun because I think it's going to come down to a late season push from J.K. Dobbins when he eventually takes over from Mark Ingram. However, I think Jonathan Taylor is really going to anchor the Colts to a winning season. And I think with the way that Phillip Rivers really isn't the same quarterback that he used to be, that they're going to be relying on the running game. And I think you're going to see a really big season from Jonathan Taylor. You're going to see a big season from J.K. Dobbins. But I look at the quarterbacks. I don't think Tua or Herbert are really going to shine that much as rookies. And I think Burrow's going to have some problems. So I don't think it's going to be a quarterback. Wide receiver, kind of a crapshoot because there are so many wide receivers, rookie wide receivers that I think are going to make an impact. I think of them, Justin Jefferson is going to be in Minnesota the fastest to make a big impact because just of his route running and his big play playmaking and the fact that they're going to be leaning on him a lot because he's the number two where there's no number three. Whereas in Denver, you, you already have big time in Cortland Sutton. You have other receivers. You have Noah Fant. You have a running game. Like in Minnesota, it's just the running game, Thielen, and then Justin Jefferson. So I think Jefferson leads uh, of the wide receivers, but I think it ultimately goes to Jonathan Taylor as the uh, rookie of the year. Defensive rookie of the year, you know, this is one where I could see it going to uh, th- this. It's, it's really tough because I think Isaiah Simmons. He's going to be like a really interesting star defender, but I don't think he could do it all on his own. Um, and I think he's going to struggle. And I know cornerbacks typically struggle, but I, um, you know, Jeff Okuda, I really want to say would be defense rookie of the year, but I just think Chase Young, he's going into a situation where he's already on a good defensive line. And I think they're going to give him every chance to rush the passer. And I think he's going to put up possibly a double digit sack year. So I look at uh, Chase Young. And Jonathan Taylor as Rookie of the Year's uh, Offensive Defense. And Defensive Player of the Year, this is where I'm going to give it to a Cleveland Brown. I'm giving Miles Garrett. I I mean, more so than Baker winning uh, Most Improved Player, I really do feel strongly about this. I think Miles is, he was on pace for his best year ever last year. He's pissed about what happened. He, you know, he's a nice guy. For everyone that calls him a dirtbag or says horrible things about him, they don't know the real Miles Garrett because if you've heard him talk ever, like this was very out of character for him to swing the helmet at Mason Rudolph. And he feels bad about it. He knows he let his team down. Um, he doubled down on Mason Rudolph being, you know, saying racist comments. So the fact that he said that, like, okay, he really doubled down on it and he said it. So either he's lying about like the worst thing ever or he's telling the truth. And considering Mason Rudolph's MAGA tweets in the past, I'm willing to believe him. Um, and the fact that Miles Garrett is a very high character guy to begin with, I have no reason not to believe Miles Garrett. That being said, his workout videos, the fact that he's reinstated, the fact that the D-line around him is looking pretty good, I think Miles Garrett is really poised for a, obviously a double-digit sack season. He was there last year but with 10 games. I think he could possibly lead the league in sacks, and I'm looking at 18 this year from Miles Garrett. I, I think he's going to be Defensive Player of the Year. I think he's going to be an absolute monster in the AFC North, and he might be the one to put the finishing blow on Ben Roethlisberger. So Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. If it's not going to be Mahomes because he's the MVP, you know, I, I, it's a that's a tough way to like not give it to him. But if you want to look at like another offensive player, I think Nick Chubb is going to win the rushing title. And I think 
the receiving title is going to go to Michael Thomas again. Uh, and Michael Thomas could win Offensive Player of the Year because he just puts up those absolutely ridiculous numbers. Um, but then again, Christian McCaffrey, he puts up great combination of both. So I think he will be Offensive Player of the Year. I think Joe Brady will still use him the way that he's meant to be used. All right, so those are my a, um, my NFL awards. Uh, coach of the Year is clearly going to be Kevin Stefanski. You don't win 11 games in your rookie season and not win Coach of the Year. All right, so moving on to fantasy football factors. Uh, clearly, in your draft, Christian McCaffrey, he's just way too valuable. He catches way too many passes. He's practically a number two wide receiver and number one running back on your team. So you have to, he has to be the first overall pick in any league. Uh, and if he doesn't perform up to those standards, you say, look, I drafted like the guy and it didn't work out. But you can't pass on him and then have him show you up. You just can't do that. After that, I love Saquon Barkley this year. I think he'll have a huge comeback year. Um, you know, I mean, he still had a great year last year, but he had to miss a couple weeks and had a down week in there. I think the way that the Giants are building their team is that it's going to be he's going he's going to be the motor, and everything's going to go through him. He's going to have a great season and. I think if you miss out on Bark on uh, McCaffrey, Barkley is the way to go. I think it's a pretty steep drop after that. I think Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, they're all really good, but I think it's those it's that number one, it's number two, and then it's kind of a fall after that. With that being said, you you all know the typical names. I'm just gonna give you a couple guys I think are gonna stand out. I think OBJ is being underdrafted right now because people remember him burning too many people last year, but he is healthier now. He's been working out with Baker. They are in sync, and he is clearly still the number one offense, uh, the number one option on that team. Um, even though I think they're going to run the ball a ton, OBJ is getting underdrafted right now. He is going to be a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. I'm thinking he's going to be like top eight. Uh, so if he's going wide receiver 15, 16, he could be your wide receiver one. You should go for him. Kenny Galladay, another guy I love. Of course, I'm going to say the guys that I drafted in my league, but Kenny Galladay is a guy that he was really clicking with Matthew Stafford. He gets a ton of red zone looks. He is a guy that stretches the field, but they also give it to him in the intermediate routes as well. When Stafford got hurt, his numbers went down, and he was still wide receiver eight on the season in fantasy football. So if we consider that, he was wide receiver eight last year, and Stafford got hurt. If Stafford plays a healthy season, they were clicking. I see him being a top five fantasy wide receiver, especially the way that you know Julio Jones getting older. DeAndre Hopkins, he's in a new situation where he's also wanting a new contract. So that that might be a little iffy of a scenario. Devontae Adams, he's the only option on his team in Green Bay. And, you know, he had a tough turf toe injury last year. I think uh, Green Bay, they're going to have a little bit of a setback this year. I don't think he's going to be um, relied on as heavily, too, because I think they're going to force the ball elsewhere uh, because he's just being relied too heavily on. I think Galladay is, uh, you know, primed to have a good season. And I'll say that about Nick Chubb as well. You know, I love Nick Chubb. I think he's uh, being undervalued because last year everyone said, oh, but when Kareem Hunt came back, his numbers went down. I'm like, yes, that is true when Kareem Hunt went back, came back. That Freddie Kitchens was a big Kareem Hunt fan and played them both. And you would think, you know, uh, that Kevin Stefanski is going to use Kareem Hunt well. And he will, 
But I do think Nick Chubb is still going to get his like 20 carries a game. And I think with an improved offensive line, it's just going to be hard to take the ball out of Nick Chubb's hands. He had a great season last year where he almost led the league in rushing. Going into the final game of the season, he was leading the league in rushing. And he dropped off because basically we stopped running the ball in that last game of the year to the Bengals. Uh, you know, that's the final, that was the final kiss of Freddie Kitchen's death because, I mean, come on. You could have at least said, hey, in my one season coaching, we had the Russian king, but you, you know, you lost your way in that last week. Regardless, I think Nick Chubb, he's going to be right in that Russian king conversation again. There, He's going to get a ton of goal line carries uh, because Kevin Stefanski's offense gets so many goal to go situations. The tight ends move the ball down the field and then. In the red zone, running backs get the ball. So I think Kareem Hunt, he'll have a decent year, but Nick Chubb is going to shine. And people are going to wonder, why was I ever docking Nick Chubb in the first place? So that's just who I think. Another running back who I think is uh, getting a little like underappreciated is David Johnson. Just because he's in a new situation and everyone thinks, oh man, like the, you know, the Texans, Bill O'Brien, what is he doing? Do they even know what's up? Bill O'Brien hears all of what everyone's saying, and he thinks, okay, the whole world thinks he's an idiot because he traded away uh, New Hopkins, but that just means he's going to use David Johnson that much more because he's like, okay, I have to prove that David Johnson was worth this trade, so I'm going to ride David Johnson to the ground. And I think David Johnson's going to get a thousand yards. He's going to get a couple good, re- like you know, some good receiving numbers. And people are going to look at him as possibly a top 10 running back at the end of the year, maybe top 12, uh, you know, and you're going to say, wow, he was uh, a lot, you know, he was much further down on the draft charts than I thought he should have been, you know, especially for a guy in a new situation where people always dock players that are going to a new team. But I think running back is the one position where it's like, hey, you know what? David Johnson has a lot to prove too, because he hasn't been healthy for a while. So I just look at that as a, you know, a guy that's being undervalued. Um, at tight end, you know, obviously everyone loves Kelsey and Kittle, and they're going to put up big numbers. And after that, you know, you can go with Ertz and Andrews. You'll have to pay up a little bit for them. So, But those other guys, I really like Noah Fant. I think he's going to get a lot of open looks with the amount of wide receiver attention that Denver's getting. And he proved last year that when he gets the ball, he is really a good playmaker. I think Drew Locke was starting to learn that at the end of the season. So, I like Noah Fant this year. I really like Mike Gusecki in Miami. I think, you know, Tua's going to need to rely on him. Uh, he's got Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. And I think Preston Williams is another guy. I'll get to that in a second. Um, I think, uh, you know, with Devontae Parker and Preston Williams on the outside, Gusecki's going to control the middle of the field. And, uh, you know, if you have accurate throws, which last year he did not get accurate throws, if he gets some accurate throws, he's going to be a starting tight end in fantasy this year. And right now, no one's really even talking about him. So I really like Gusecki and Fant. And I think Austin Hooper, another one. He was paid to go to Cleveland in a tight end heavy offense. And no one's talking about him as a starting tight end in fantasy. Why not? I mean, he's one of the top paid tight ends. You know, Cleveland made him a priority in the offseason. And now he's going to a very tight end heavy scheme. I, I, I like that for those three guys. And at wide receiver, uh, you know, final one, I uh, I do want to say Preston Williams has been really impressive in camp, and his numbers towards the end of last season were really great. So uh, I just look at him as he's too physical and fast for his size. 
He reminds me a lot of like Josh Gordon, and that scares me. So uh, if he's a, if you can get him the ball, he's the type of guy that you're like, wow, he's just physically just a mismatch with everybody. So I think why not Preston Williams? You know, he's getting not enough attention. Um, same with the rookie running backs I mentioned earlier with Taylor and Dobbins. You know, they're gonna have a really nice run for rookie of the year. So uh, some fantasy guys to keep your eye on. Zach Moss, another rookie running back from Buffalo. I think he'll eventually be the starter. And uh, and in Buffalo, they're going to be running the ball a lot. Devlin Singletary, he fumbles too much. And they're, they're not going to have patience for that. They're going to say, next man up, because the Buffalo Bills want to win that division. So anyway, that's my fantasy outlook. Um, at quarterback, obviously Pat Mahomes is the guy. If you want a cheaper option, Matt Stafford, when he's healthy, putting up huge numbers last year. Why shouldn't he be putting those up again this year? So I look at Matt Stafford as a really nice option. Aaron Rodgers being super undervalued. If he's a $1 guy or one of those like quarterback like 12, 13 area, he's still Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't lost a beat. I would take him over Tom Brady. Um, I might even take him over Carson Wentz. Uh, and and I, I think he can shine. And then Baker Mayfield and Gardner Minshew would be guys lower on the list that they're not getting drafted in m- many leagues, and I think they can easily be a starter where they're not going to score a ton of points. I don't think they're going to put up a lot of those like 20, 25-point games, but they're going to put up points where they're not going to kill you because I think Minshew, for very opposite reasons, I think Minshew's going to be forced to put up the ball a lot, so he's going to have some forced inflated numbers. And also, Jay Gruden constantly having good seasons as a uh, offensive coordinator for his quarterbacks. Then with Baker, I think it's the opposite. They're not going to be forcing the ball on. He's not going to be getting those turnovers they had last year. He's going to be taking care of the ball. He's going to have a lot of games where he has 225 to 270 in passing yards. He's not going over 300 a lot, but he's going to have like two touchdowns and no turnovers. You're going to see that line a lot for him, and that's going to be a line you can live with in fantasy football. So, uh, Use that advice. It's been a long podcast. I really appreciate everyone for listening, but I wanted to get my thoughts in on fantasy. I wanted to get my thoughts in on the real NFL season, my predictions, uh, the bold predictions. I already told you, you know, the, my bold prediction is that the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl, and I think the Bills are going to win their their division. I don't know how bold that is. I think Justin Jefferson is going to have 1,100 yards. That's pretty bold. I think Preston Williams is going to have a 1,000-yard season in Miami. Uh, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to miss the playoffs. I think uh, the Houston Texans are missing the playoffs. Those are some pretty bold ones. Uh, I don't think Tom Brady is nearly going to have the season that everyone thinks he has. I think he's going to be a league average quarterback um, with just some inflated numbers because of just the amount they throw there. Um, And then, of course, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a replacement-level quarterback. That's another bold prediction I have. So, uh Thank you again for listening to my podcast. I think that's enough for today, but it's a very, very fun time. We are one week away. Right now it's 8.45. We'd be just kicked off if a week from now for the Chiefs and Texans on NBC. Really excited. Uh, hope everyone enjoys their football season and their Labor Day weekend. Uh, be safe, be smart. Go Browns.